Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit fightradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Vicki Zaynavor, and we will be talking about uh, her new book, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life Story. Vicki Zaynavor rose from typing and finally clerk with only a high school diploma to being highly recognized human resources top executive. She did all that while raising a family and earning her college and MBA degrees. And now she's teaching some of the most critical lessons she discovered about being authentic in the workplace to others with her new book, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose. Her years in the corporate sector encompassed such leading companies as Sara Lee Corporation, Northern Trust, and CIBC Bank USA, previously known as the private bank. At Sara Lee, she focused on managing the impact of massive change on more than 140,000 employees worldwide. Her years in the corporate sector embraced an impressive array of roles with major impact on the lives of people she served and supported. Today, she's here to talk to you about how you can tap into your own authenticity and to learn how to communicate honestly, frankly, and effectively in ways that will open doors for you. Um, It can also help you prevent conflict or resolve conflict. Um, Ask for what you are worth and make you feel more comfortable in your own skin and how this process of discovering your core values can also lead to finding your purpose in life. For more information, you can visit Vicki Zavenor's um, website, which is Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, and Zavenor, which is Z-N-A-V-O-R.com. So it's V-I-C-K-I, Z-N-A-V-O-R.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome Vicki to the show. Good day, Vicki. Uh, hello, Robert. It's great to join you today. Thanks so much for the invitation. It's my pleasure, and and I I like um, talking with people who have um, corporate backgrounds or who have that kind of um, background and, and transitioned into something completely different. I had many years in the corporate world. Mine were in the banking and the um, restaurant industries. So, um, but. Uh, you know, it's a quite a it's it's a quite a different shift, and and I think there are a lot of people going through that. So let's first start about talking about you. Can you tell us a little bit of, about yourself? Oh sure. Well, I spent 42 years working in corporate America. I, uh, as your introduction said, I started out at uh, the entry level uh, as a filing clerk in a tax department. And, uh, you know, I, had, I was a, a great high school student, but I didn't have the, the necessary funds to go to college in the traditional way. So back in the late 70s, you could certainly get a decent job if you just, you know, went to work, and, and that's what I did. Uh, but 
I came from a, a fairly large family, um, although I only ha- I only grew up with uh, one brother in my home, but I'm the youngest of 12 uh, children. And so, uh, yes, and, you know, and I, I, I had a, a rather chaotic home as a child, and, um, you know, and all of us, none of us have perfect childhoods, but, you know, my, my childhood was rather chaotic. My parents were wonderful, lovely people, but they struggled with alcohol addiction, and, and there wasn't a lot of consistency in my home. But I somehow found uh, that I was a pretty consistent person from starting at a very young age. And, uh, you know, I, I really always wanted to have a different kind of life, one that was more um, consistent and predictable, um, but also mm-hmm. one where I could grow and learn. And and working was really a wonderful way for me to achieve that in my life. So, I you know, I went to work and, and I uh, managed to uh, ultimately get my degrees, as you mentioned, uh, while simultaneously raising my three children. And and uh, you know, I've had I had a great career. I had many uh, wonderful colleagues that I that I worked with over the years. And now, as you said, I've taken a shift. I left uh, my role, my last role, in March of 2020, and I went about um, thinking about how do I give something back uh, in a way that would really uh, encompass all that I've learned, or at least a lot of what I've learned. And I landed on the topic of authenticity and uh, uh, embarked on much, much, much research about the topic and produced what I think is a, is a very helpful book uh, for people who want to bring a little bit more of themselves to life and work. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, is, a, it is a very um, – it's a wonderful topic, you know, and particularly what we have gone through um, in this last year, you know, it um, when it comes to authenticity, it's, um, I don't know, there's, there's a lot that's brought up that really kind of uh, brings to highlight, you know, some of our, um, whether we're being authentic or not in, in, in life mm-hmm. situations. So um, can you explain to, to us what, what is your interpretation of what authenticity is? Sure. Well, I'll preface this with, you know, after reading hundreds of articles and many, many books and doing tons of research, you know, much like uh, the definition of nice or happy, there isn't a single definition of what the, the word actually means. So what I did was after going through, you know, reflecting on my own career, my own life, and then the research, I believe that a workable definition for most people would be knowing who you are, knowing what matters most to you, and then showing up in the world in a way that reflects that to the extent that you wish to do so. And when I say wish to do so, what I mean by that is that it's very important that you know who you are and that you know what matters to you. But you don't have to go to work or you don't have to go to every interaction with other people and say everything that's on your mind or share your deepest, darkest mm-hmm. secrets, only, in, in, you know, only or unless you wish to do so. So um, that's really why I sort of honed in on that. So, you know, again, knowing who you are and knowing what matters most to you and then showing up in a way that reflects that is, is a good workable de- definition for most of us. Yeah, yeah. You um, you covered the um, information, the amount of information in, in in the book when you 
talked about authenticity versus transparency, you know, and, you know, we, you know, as far as um, how transparent we want to be to others, you know, we can determine how transparent we want to be. But authenticity is acting in concert with, with uh, your beliefs. Um, yes, and your values, yes. Yeah. So now, okay, let, let's, uh, you know, a part of your, your book, you talk about, um, you, know, you have a whole second, what does it mean to be authentic at work? And, you know, you're kind of a, a, from the corporate world. Um, there are, um, can you talk to us about, I mean, with, with corporate life, obviously, there's certain, your, your amount of transparency, you know, really can vary, I guess, depending on, you know, the, the type of corporate environment. But generally speaking, you know, um, a lot of the personal aspects of one's life um, are often kept out. How, do, how would you talk about um, being in the corporate realm being as transparent as you can, but also, um, you know, there are, are maybe times when what is called upon is, is not in line with who you are. Right. Well, first of all, I would say, and my book walks the reader through the, this concept of how do you understand what really matters most to you, those values that I was talking about before. And mm-hmm. in, in, all of our interactions, we have to decide what we stand for and what we won't stand for. And this is where I think corporate life can, can sometimes um, produce a, uh, provide us with some challenges. So, for example, if you're in a situation where, you know, my father was uh, 100% Mexican, and he, uh, he faced racism every single day of his life, basically, mm-hmm. and as that that was one of my what I call pivotal life moments when I I talk the reader through what pivotal life moments are and how do you un, that's really what helps us know who we are and what influences some of our values and so for me a value a key value is really respecting other people and and their you know ethnicity and and being very uh, proactive about diversity and inclusion so years in, early in my career years ago. I did not have a voice, so if I would hear racist remarks at work, I didn't know how to actually um, stand up, uh, you know, to those kinds of comments mm-hmm. and say something, sort of express my belief about the, that situation. And, you know, with time, all of us start to find a voice. So what I found was that I started to literally kind of practice at home, what, I, what am I going to say if I hear this again, this kind of remark again? And ultimately it became something such as, you know, I, I, I would like you to know that comments like that are really not appreciated, and I would appreciate if you would not speak that way in my presence again. And it, it was someone senior to me. Um, and, you know, finding your voice that way. There are a lot of other things. I used to have a manager years ago, and, you know, when you're in your 20s, sometimes you're super passionate about, you may not, you may be passionate about (laughs) everything, which is my case. (laughs) And I had a manager who would say, you know, Vicki, is this something, is this a hill to die on? And as much as it at the time maybe would have been a little irritating to me, I think that that was, you know, 
really kind of good advice that when we think about what's most important to us, not everything can be so important. But if it does bump up against your values, you do have to find a voice. Otherwise, you know, ultimately what happens if you go along to get along, um, this is really what ultimately uh, hurts organizations. And hopefully leaders start encouraging people even more so to speak up and to have a voice. You can, you can express dissatisfaction or, um, or uh, dismay or ask questions in a very polite and direct way. And that's really important to do so. Um, you know, in the book also, I talk a lot about sharing your ideas. So this is, this is one thing that sometimes we build stories in our heads. Um, you know, gosh, my idea isn't going to really be accepted, or that person doesn't like me, so why should I even bother giving my opinion? And those are stories that we really make up in our heads. And even if the person doesn't like you, if you have a position in a company, it is incumbent upon you to share your ideas. And you can start to refine how you do that and to make sure that your voice is heard. And if you're at an organization where that's simply you've tried and you feel like no matter what I do, it doesn't, it doesn't come to be, um, and I continue mm-hmm. to sort of bump up against a wall, then that's another sign for you to perhaps find another organization where your voice will be more heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that has always been um, a challenge um, when, when it comes time to uh, having that voice, being able, you know, and, and feeling comfortable enough to um, express that opinion, like you say, in a polite manner. Um, but, um, but to be able to do that and, and recognize that it is, you know, one of those, um, you know, one of those lines kind of that, that you have that, that's, that it's really important. So um, when, when you talk about, um, you, you mentioned, you know, pivotal life moments as being um, moments that create, help create uh, um, our, our kind of our values, our beliefs. So can you talk a little, a little bit about that? Because I'm, you know, for some people, I think it might be difficult to to recognize or help define, you know, really what are the what are my must you know uh, what really matters most to me. Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is, and I, I've had some conversations in the last couple of days, and one of the questions was, well, gee, what if I'm only 25 years old? Can I still have? Would I have had any pivotal life moments uh, yet? And I would say, absolutely, no matter no matter your age, you have already had pivotal life moments. And so, you know, I'll kind of walk you through um, when I was 12 years old, for example, my family lost our home to foreclosure. And that would be a pivotal life moment because, uh, as you can imagine, there was a lot of fear and confusion and embarrassment, things like that. So... One of the ways I walk the reader through these moments is, you know, put them on paper. First of all, it's really important to put things on paper because you tend to sort of skip through stories really quickly and you're not, I want the reader to analyze Mm -hmm. that particular event in their life. So, you know, how I I, um, described how I felt just now with the embarrassment and and fear and all of that. But then I ask the reader uh, uh, to think about what 
what are some of the gifts and good things that came out of that? Or do you still have lingering discomfort or fear or um, strong strong negative emotions about that particular event? So what happened to me in that pivotal life moment, and, and I was 12 years old, is that I had a strong sense then at that time that you really have to be disciplined about money and that education really makes a difference in your life. And the way I got there in, with that thinking at that time was that my parents, again, um, you know, I have deep respect for them, but they were not educated. And as a result, they had you know, very low-paying jobs. They struggled uh, oftentimes with being laid off. And, and you know what? That happens to anybody at any level. I just want to say that. I know that. It's been a really difficult time in our in our world um, with being laid off and, and all of that. And it, sometimes, you know, even the, obviously even the most highly educated people are vulnerable to things like that. But my 12-year-old mind at the time just thought, that, gosh, I need to make sure that I'm better with money and that I, um, that I keep learning because if I don't, I'm going to continue, you know, have, having experiences okay. like this. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that was one thing. And then what that did was that translated in my whole career. You know, I became very physically, physically responsible as an adult, as an employee, as a manager, those kinds of things. And a lot of... The other thing that happened was that my family moved to a town that was filled with wonderful families and examples of healthy families and examples of very studious kids who were competitive academically. And that was a very positive aspect in my uh, growing up time as well. So a lot of good things came out of that one negative experience. Now, lots of times there are horrific things that happen to people that would be pivotal moments. And I caution the reader that if you had something like that and you haven't fully come to terms with those experiences, to please get professional help because um, that's beyond the scope of my book. But it is something that, you know, we all need to think about in terms of getting well and, and going forward in a more positive way. So, yeah, you know, that, the, I would say that that's really important, you know, because yeah. um, as you're going through and, and reading that, you know, if the trigger is so strong um, yeah. that that you know you really need to look at it, then you know because um, I, I you know sometimes it, it's hard to pinpoint triggers, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. if, if you, you know, you're reading and that happens, so anyway, I'm, I just wanted to interject that that you know that was such a a good point to make sure that. But, um, to get assistance with that. Yes, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I tried to imagine when I was writing the book, you know, what, what might come up for some people. And when I, when I felt mm-hmm. that, I, it was, it was um, sad and troubling to me. But, you know, um, people overcome so much. People are so resilient. Um, and, you know, you have to find a way forward that's uh, healthy and, and, and best for you. But, you know, from that, you know, as I think about values, to go back to your question, so how did I derive values from that experience, being disciplined with money and valuing education and all that? So, you know, a value for me is discipline. So as I go about my typical day, I'm very disciplined about things. Uh, I also am very financially responsible. So I watch how I spend my money and, and things like that. So those would be a couple of 
of um, you know values. Most of us probably would say something like, "I'm very one of my values is honesty," and that's fantastic. But when you identify that your value is honesty, then ask yourself throughout your experiences with other people on a daily basis: Did I show up as an honest person, or am I just holding other people to honesty and not really holding myself to being honest? You know, I think you have to do some self-analysis. That's a good point. Be careful which beliefs you you uh, promote or that you espouse. Yes. Yeah. Well, but now, so with um, with yeah, and I, I can understand how that can create behaviors. Now, one of the things. To, to keep in mind with yours, for example, you, talk, you mentioned discipline was was kind of is kind of a big thing. Um, what ha- um, what happens? Can can too much discipline be um, you know not good as well? Yeah. Or, or, yes. Know, can there be issues <laughs> with too much discipline? <laughs> Yes, Robert. Well, you know, having spent you know time as a corporate trainer and, and and all of that, any any behavior overdone can turn into a negative. So that's a that's a really um, good insightful question there because, uh, you know, what I found is that I became so disciplined, so regimented, that you know I started to uh, maybe even be perceived a little bit as a robot at some point in my career in life. So, you know, one of the things I did was I married somebody who is the complete opposite to me. <laughs> and um, so he's the adventurer. I am not the adventurer uh, by nature. And uh, and I have children who are adventurous, adventurous as well. But I do, I you know, I did see some of those uh, things. Like another thing is perfection. And I just want to tell the listeners, mm-hmm. Perfection does not exist. So oftentimes when we come from chaotic situations as children, we want to control everything that we can because when you can control things, then you can control some of the, you know, you can protect yourself from negativity and and harm. But perfection doesn't really exist, and people are not perfect, and authentic people are not perfect. Some of the most authentic people actually may not even be very nice, but they are authentic. So perfection, <laughs> yeah. perfection is really um, Julia Cameron uh, is an author, and she she said perfectionism is fear in a fancy dress, and that is so true, because when we go through trauma, uh, in in trying to be perfect, we really are trying to protect ourselves from fear. You know, we're fearful of something negative happening to us. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, it. it um... Yeah, I, I was trying to, you know, when it, when it comes time to, um, uh, you know, being authentic and kind of putting it forward, it, um, I don't know, it, it's kind of like moderation is the key, you know, with, with all, you don't want to overdo, um, but but it, but but it helps if you understand what's behind your your drive. Like for example, you know, the the be. The, the, what led to being disciplined, you know, the, the circumstances that led to being disciplined, you know, so it helps in understanding that, but also, again, um, you know, I, th- I think it's wonderful that you chose um, a mate who is c- completely opposite because, that, you know, um, I think that's how we learn. I mean, it would, 
I'm sure that he got you out on many more adventures that you would have presented otherwise you wouldn't have done. Um, For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Let's see. I want to talk about one more. I just want to let listeners know that we're going to be taking the break in about five minutes. So if you want to ask um, any questions of Vicki, feel free to call in at 619-789-4359. And if you're listening live in the chat room, any questions for Vicki, feel free to type them in there. Um, Now, one of the things um, you talk about in your book is you talk about fear. Um, So uh, how does fear play into authenticity? Sure. Well, oftentimes we don't show up as ourselves. We don't reveal aspects of our true selves, um, even even a little bit, because we're fearful of judgment. We're fearful of, um, you know, some type of negative impact to us at work. Um, you know, it, we make up stories, frankly. And Jack Canfield from the Chicken Soup of the uh, Soul series uh, says that fear is fantasized experiences appearing real. Now, of course, there are some situations that happen to us in our life that really do deserve to be feared. But most of the time when we're thinking about work situations, fear really is something that we've told ourselves a story about. So, for example, it may be that we have deci- we will say things like, you know, my boss doesn't like me, or she would never care what I think anyway, so why bother? Or I am not going to take that, that job because it's going to cause me to um, change my life too dramatically, whatever it might be. And I would just say that when those things happen or when we say those things, I want the reader to catch, or the listener to catch yourself when you say those and really dig a little deeper about what's at the heart of that statement. So when you say things like, my boss isn't going to listen, so why bother? Is that true? Is your boss really not going to listen? Or is, are you afraid that you're going to say something incorrectly or you're going to look silly in front of your colleagues or your idea won't be accepted. And you know what? It's okay if your ideas aren't accepted. Uh, sometimes you're going to get a yes, and sometimes you're going to get a no. And if you get a no, is that such a big deal? So, you know, I walk the reader through diff- uh, many different scenarios of how to think about uh, how to dig deeper and really to get to are you really afraid of, what are you afraid of, um, and, and see if that might help you work through um, overcoming that fear and then to uh, show up more authentically and say, you know what, I don't own somebody else's reaction to me. I just own showing up as who I am and giving my best at work. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fear, you know, retaliation or rejection, I mean, or or just not even being heard. The fear of either any of those um, would really – I'm sure influences. I mean, I've seen it. I've <laughs> been fearful myself when I was in the corporate world. I, do I really want to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. confront this or not? You know, so, um, but that, that goes back to what were my pivotal life moments up to that point, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, uh, my goodness. Well, let, let's go ahead and take a break here, Vicki. Um, okay. And then when we come when we come back, um, I want to talk about the, you know, the, the subtitle of your book is The Path to Owning Your Life Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of one's life story and then owning it and, and, and what, 
what that looks like, okay? Okay, sure. Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, t- today my special guest is Vicki Nabor, and we are talking about her new book, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life's Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose. Um, and again, you can find out much more about Vicki by visiting her website, which is vickiznavor.com, and that's V-I-C-K-I-Z-N-A-V-O-R.com. Okay, with that, uh, Vicki, thanks for staying with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, let's, let's talk about, you know, the idea of one's life story and owning it. So um, can you tell us maybe a little bit, maybe from a personal example of of um, your life story and, and how it got, how you got to owning it? <laughs> sure. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of reflection uh, to start with, you know, when I gave you the story, for example, about our home, you know, losing our home to foreclosure, mm-hmm. that was one of my pivotal life moments. You know, taken together, most of us at any point in our life have five to seven pivotal life moments that we say, oh, okay, I understand what happened and I understand how it uh, influenced the person that I am today. So, you know, I had several life stories, you know, watching my dad endure racism, uh, working with really amazing, smart people, marrying my husband and having kids was a pivotal life moment. Um, you know, uh, when I was in first grade, people, um, I didn't do homework very well in first grade. So my home wasn't the kind of home that encouraged me to do homework. So at one point in first grade, I did my homework and the whole, work, the whole classroom clapped because it was so unusual. So what I learned in that <laughs> moment was that, you know, if you do your homework, it's good. It's a really good thing. And I became a person who always did my homework then. So 
these stories now, you know, if you're 25 and you go back to your life story, and I don't want people to get hung up on, is it five, is it seven, is it three, is one okay? <laughs> you know, it's what feels right for you, what feels right for you, but write them down. And, and you know, I have, it should be up on my website soon, but the, the tools in my book will be available for free, and I hope you'll uh, consider purchasing the book too um, as well. But um, when you think about all those experiences, and then, you know, if you're at 25 years old, you know, think, do, it, do the exercise again when you're 30, 35, whatever it might be, because we're going to keep having those exp- different experiences. So that's why I use the reawakened in my title is, you know, our authenticity today, who I was at 21. I was very authentic, a, a very authentic 21-year-old. But if you compared that to my authenticity today at age 60, very different. So, you know, doing the analysis and thinking about those experiences and your values is one way to understanding your life story, who you are, and what you've experienced. And that our life stories are so powerful. There isn't a human being, there isn't a listener, there is not going to be a reader who hasn't gone through some difficult times. We've also gone through some very joyous times, and those can be pivotal life moments too. So when you take those stories, it becomes collectively your story. And you can say to yourself, my goodness, I've experienced so much. I'm way more resilient than I thought, that I, than I gave myself credit for. I've done so much more in my life than I've given myself credit for. Um, you know, a lot of positives can, can come from that. And, and there may be stories that you say, you know what, I messed up. And I want people to know that if you messed up when you're in um, your 20s, like most people do at some point or another, <laughs> you don't have to take that, that, that with you for the rest of your life. You can acknowledge, yes, that happened. Yes, I did that. And you know what? That is just one small part of my story. I can change going forward, and I'm not going to repeat that, that, whatever it was that happened. So, you know, I, I know people sometimes who that, that one negative thing, you know, when I was in ninth grade, I failed an algebra test, and now I'm terrible at math for, for the rest of my life. So um, owning your story, and then when we think about purpose, you know, purpose is kind of a buzzword now, and I don't want to sort of fall into that at all. But when I think about purpose, I don't think about it as in terms of an acquisition of a particular job. But I think of purpose at least helping you directionally in terms of three statements. The first statement to ask yourself, and again, the tool is in my book, is what do you want? So, you know, a lot of times we're great at describing what we don't want or what we find to be, you know, disruptive or painful to us. But sit down and think about what do you want and write it down. So I have my purpose statement right in front of me every single day. So I want to be happy, healthy, able to work with people I respect and be present for those I love. So when I look at that word healthy, for example, well, for me, I I don't like exercising. But when I see that word, I'm reminded, oh, I need to exercise if I want to continue having a life that I, you know, I want a long, healthy life. Happy. What does it take to, to, to make you happy or even to feel joy? Think about that. You know, who are the kinds of people that you want to work with and live with and be with? 
Um, so, you know, thinking about what you want. Then the second statement is, when I'm at my best, what does that look like? So if you think about that, when I look at somebody who is doing work that they love, their face radiates with joy. That's the best face. I was a, a chief human resources officer. When I saw people working in that way, I got goosebumps and I still do because I think that that's a lovely way to be at work and in life. So when I'm at my best, I know that I can love and inspire and help and enable people, and that and that's always been a part of what I've done, even though at age 21 or age 25, I didn't know that. But I'm mm-hmm. looking back, you know, they always say that when you look in the rearview mirror, you have 2020 vision, and I think that that's true. So if you're 25, uh, for example, or 30, you know, just think about when am I at my best? Catch yourself when you're at work or when you're with somebody or when you're doing something that you love. How does that feel? And try to keep replicating that whatever it was that you were doing so that you continue to think about being at your best. And then lastly is an I believe statement. So what do you believe? What do you believe in? What, you know, what really drives you? For me, I believe that when people live their purpose, and that they can show up in as who they are, that they're able to pay it forward to others, and the world will be a better place. And as an executive, that's how I showed up for people. I wanted to be authentic, and I encouraged them to bring their authentic selves to work as well because that was so important to me. So thinking about what you want when you're at your best and what you believe. Yeah. Um yeah, I want to talk about that those three in purpose one more. But when when it came time, you were talking about the owning the life story and not letting it um, dictate um, kind of who you are in the present. Um, you know, the, that's the one thing I think that um, some people maybe have difficulty with. It was the idea of owning owning our mistakes, owning our you know. Uh, our, our, our decisions that could have been better, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that the, once we get to the point where we can, you know, owning it doesn't mean that it defines us. And, and I think that's maybe what some people, if people have a challenge with owning that, just recognize that it, it's just, it was just a, a portion of, of what the, experience, the life experience has been. Absolutely. And, and, you know, a question when you're sort of stuck there, and it happens to all of us, is mm-hmm. to ask yourself, how is this serving me? And in some regards, when you consistently fall back on where you made mistakes, uh, in a way, you may be, uh, you know, perhaps unintentionally, uh, letting yourself off the hook for trying any harder to have a better future. So, you know, you have to learn to forgive yourself like you would forgive somebody else and then to say, okay, it's not serving me to keep carrying this baggage forward. What will serve me in the future so that I have a different uh, experience going forward than what I've had so far? Yeah, exactly. That really transforms that that whole episode, (laughs) that whole Mm -hmm. uh, story, the whole chapter yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so now, 
Yeah. Now, when, going back to purpose, yeah, when you were talking about, you know, the idea, first of all, you know, what do you want? Start you with what do you want? And, and I chuckled when you said, you know, that it's much easier to know what we don't want. Uh, you know, early in, in the 10 years of doing the show, I had like a lot of intuitives on and people would call in. And, you know, a lot of times it was just in general, a lot of times it would be women wanting their, you know, that one relationship. And, and when they were asked, you know, what is it you want? I mean, it was like, they had, you know, really trouble defining what that was, and and so um, and, I, and it, it does seem that it's easier to quickly identify things that you don't want. So, I did an exercise at the time was when trying to define that was just simply do that whole, you know, what don't I want and make make the list, and then on the other side of the page you know, the opposite, and then just sold the page, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and I'm confronted with all of what I want. So, I mean, that was kind of like the easy, easy way out as far as trying to identify or define what it is that I wanted. Yeah, that's great advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so now let's, let's talk a little bit about um, when authenticity, um, you know, and you mentioned that, you know, we change as we go through our various pivotal life moments. Um, you know, so when maybe life changes to the point where we recognize our our authentic self, well, when we're being authentic, when we're in alignment with our, our values and beliefs, um, and those values and beliefs then do not match our current um, environment, you know, mm-hmm. be it at home or work. You know, but, you know, let's just say work because, you know, work has really been a, I mean, we've had a you know, major upheaval in that area, you know, for, for millions of people. So when it comes to work, so what would you say to people out there who now recognize that maybe they're authentic to be on um, their authentic selves would be better off in a somewhere different than what they're, right. what they're doing, what they're working. So how would, what would you say to them about um, beginning that process or, or what that process would entail? Sure. So as, as is true with most other things, it does require a little bit of, um, in, in, you know, um, reflection. So, for example, mm-hmm. if, it, you know, I know when sometimes I'd work with people and they'd say, oh, this this place is, is uh real challenge for me or something like that and I would say okay what would you do to make it better so you know we're in a challenging time right now in terms of although I do think it's going to be a job a a job seekers market very soon (laughs) but uh, but you know it hasn't been that way for the last year and a half so you know we all need to earn salaries and, and and make a living and all of that so I would say sit down and think about you know, it, um, what exactly is it that is making your situation, uh, you know, not something that you want to continue? And if you get, to, and I walk the reader through this in my book to a, a whole different bunch of scenarios that might come into play. But, you know, for example, if your manager does not respect you and there is just, you know, you're always feeling like you're on pins and needles with that person and you feel that you have legitimately tried to make that relationship better and it's not improving at all, I would say that's a really good sign that you should look for something else. Um, But Mm -hmm. there are other situations where, uh, you know, maybe you just haven't, um, you haven't tried to make it better at work. 
Um, maybe you say, oh, I don't like any of my colleagues. Well, do you really know them? Um, do they know you? Uh, have you tried to build relationships? You know, have you tried to join organizations at work or even create them that would help people um, you know, uh, have better experiences at the workplace. That's really something that leaders often really appreciate. Actually, is when you can make a suggestion and and it can you know help bring it to life. But you know, once you go through all of that, I'll call it analysis. You know, if it if it doesn't if it's not a place where you want to continue working, then you have to put together a plan. So put together a plan, and that plan should be. Where do I want to work? What kind of people do I want to work with? What kind of job am I best suited for? You know, a lot of times in our current situations, maybe we're not challenged enough. So if you want to stay with, you like the organization you're at, but you don't really like what you're doing anymore because you've outgrown it, speak to your manager about that and indicate that you'd like to try something a little bit more challenging. Um, And how can you help? You know, that's, I built my whole career on that question. How can I help? What else can I do? Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but make a plan and then think about, don't get overwhelmed by the plan, but think about what can I do this week, this month, this, you know, the first six months to move into something that's more uh, appropriate and more satisfying. Yeah, take steps towards that goal when it would mm-hmm. be. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, doing that reevaluate. I mean, if anything, this period of seclusion has really pumped up reflection for people to. I mean, we've had time to reflect, uh, probably more so than than ever, you know, in in a global sense. So, um, you know, that, you know, it's just not a unique experience to one one person. Okay, so let's see now. Um, what would you say are some um, behaviors that would then are there behaviors that would kind of demonstrate authenticity? Sure. You know, I think some simple ones are when you say that you're going to do something. You make a commitment to someone, whether it's personally or professionally. Actually your commitment. That demonstrates that you were authentic when you made the commitment and you were authentic as you carried through with it. Um, with, if you want to say no to somebody, don't say, oh, well, maybe, or I'll get back to you, or I'll think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you really want to say no, say no. You can say it politely. You can explain your rationale for saying no, but say no and mean it as opposed to, you know, well, I'll think about it. Um, if you want to say yes, say yes uh, enthusiastically, and then again keep your word. Um, you know, uh, if you are—I'm um, sort of just sort of thinking of some quick ideas at work. But if you, um, oh, don't don't gossip. I, I think all of us would say, "Gosh, you know what? We've seen Joe or Sally or whoever." gossiping and you know that they're going to gossip about you too and it makes that person seem very inauthentic and not somebody who you would want to give any trust you know to at all and you don't want to be that person 
So I think, you know, again, I think it's some of those things. If there's a value, for example, that's really important to you, then you can actually sort of come up with a phrase that you would share with people that would say, you know what, Uh, you've just bumped up against my value of honesty. And I want to tell you that, um, you know, it's really troubled me that you weren't uh, honest with me and I need to understand more about what happened. You know, something like that. Yeah. But learning to yeah. be very direct and to express your thoughts uh, in a way that feels real to you and authentic, I think, is a very healthy practice. Yeah, um, it's, I, I can understand that. And the yeah, gossip, I, I've just never understood. You know, I just, um, mm-hmm. uh, I just kind of always stayed clear of that. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would think too that you know, as I was listening to, I mean, you. Now this is not a. Not, this is a compliment. You presented things in a very human resource fashion, you know, in in, in the sense that it's um, uh, it's like it, it's it's factual, it, it's um, non-judgmental, um, and it's um, you know, directive, being able to try and. Um, help solve. So anyway, I just I I like maybe because my as a training background, I was in part of the HR department. But anyway, that that's very much in line with who I am. So um, anyway, I, I just uh, I think that's a, a wonderful approach. <laughs> oh well, thank you. And I spent about I don't know eleven or twelve years in finance before I went to HR. And uh, you know, I just think that when we get down to it. All of us are human beings. I don't care what position you hold. I don't care what function you work in um, or whether you work outside of the home or not. We're all human beings. And when we can start seeing each other as human beings uh, and appreciate that all of us have had, you know, a complex journey, no matter who we are, um, and treat people with respect and dignity and then expect the same in return, um, I do think it, it changes the dynamics quite a bit. Oh, it does. It does very mm-hmm. much so. And also one of the um, areas that you gave some attention to in the, the conflict curves, curiosity and compassion. You know, you know that in that particular section, you were talking about compassion and the power of forgiveness. Um, that is, um, those are two areas that I think um, are just overlooked. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and... and and it's um, and if one is a compassionate person or experiences compassion frequently, um, then it's um, it's uh, heart wrenching, you know, to, um, to be able exactly. to, to see see people treated with such disrespect. Recognizing again that I mean that could, you know, as they say, well, for the grace of God, there's no I, you know, um, mm-hmm. that you could be in the same kind of situation. Yeah, and you know, now that we're coming out of this pandemic and people will be returning to work, it's such an opportune time to acknowledge that this has been a very challenging time and that, you know, when you talk to somebody, look them in the eye and ask them, you know, how how have you been during this really challenging time and listen for the answer, it goes such a long way. We all want to be seen and heard. And if you can give that gift to somebody else, with such a simple question and three minutes of your time, it's such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And with that one, um, I think that it's, um, 
for for some people, you know, kind of given their insights to how you, how were you, you know, that I mean, it can, how many times if it's oh, I'm fine, it was great, I'm okay, <laughs> you know, um, but I think maybe by offering up um, a personal idea, you know, how's it been for you? For me, it's just been, you know crazy or, for, you know, frantic or, you know, mm-hmm. something to open up the door to recognizing that, you know, and I'm, I'm going to share with you what my experience was, you know, and if you feel free to go ahead and, you know, exchange with yours. Sure. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so are there anything for anything that the listeners can do right now to, um be more authentic. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to really kind of identify those goals and values that determine the basis for authenticity. Um, yeah. But what are, are, are just off the top, you know, if someone listens to the podcast and at the end of it, they say, okay, I'm going to implement something to, to be more authentic, what, what would be a couple of suggestions? Sure. Well, first of all, I hope that the that the listeners will pick a, up a copy of my book, the e uh, the e version, the ebook. And you don't need a Kindle to get the Kindle version. You just need the Kindle app. But it's uh, it's actually on sale right now for a dollar ninety nine. I think I wanted to offer it um, through uh, on sale this month and and probably a little bit into next month, so that that was a way to help other people get the content, you know, pretty inexpensively. But in my book, I have 100 ways to authenticity. So at the end of the book, there are 100 things that you can do that would just sort of be a kickstart to your authenticity. You know, something like, for example, think of one, at least one thing every single day when you wake up that you're grateful for. Just, you know, open your eyes and just spend a couple of minutes thinking about what you're grateful for. And if you have a hard time thinking about what you're grateful for, if you have a bed, if you have a roof over your head, if you have, you know, that you're going to have a meal that day and you have somebody to love or that loves you, you are one of the most fortunate people on the planet. So perspective is really important. Um, Thinking about just sometimes just take a walk. You know, so many of our thoughts, if you can just put away the phone, take out the headphones and listen to what's going on around you. It's a beautiful way for ideas and and support from the universe, if you will, God, um, to to come to you. Um, If you are experiencing a situation at work, for example, where someone has unrealistic expectations of you, you, um, think about what you can say to to, um, reaffirm that those expectations are unrealistic and what maybe how can you renegotiate what the expectation could be so that you can actually finish your work. And lastly, I guess if if somebody interrupts you, uh, simply say, excuse me, I was not finished. I'd like to continue with my thoughts. <laughs> Very good. I'll let you finish that thought. <laughs> I'll let you. <laughs> uh, um, I, and in and, and those, those hundred um, suggestions, I, there were a couple that made me laugh. One of them was let someone, quote, win a disagreement. Yes. <laughs> I have done that. I have done that so often. Um and it's and I, I I chuckle because I mean, in the long run I'm not I'm not a confrontation, you know, conflict kind of person. I try to you know, you know, to me that's just misdirected energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but but um anyway, so um yeah, so letting someone 
quote win an argument um, because in the long run, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> what does it really matter? Um, and then there was another one that you said, um, do something that scares you. You know, occasionally do something that scares you. <laughs> I thought that was, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I am an introvert. So spending time, I've done a lot of media in the last couple of months. It's completely out of my comfort zone. And um, when I first embarked upon it, it scared the heck out of me. So what I will say is that I'm glad that I did it. I've met the most remarkable people who are truly trying to change the world in their own small way, uh, people like you. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing, Robert. So, you know, it, uh, think about what it might be and just take one step forward. And you know what? 99% of the time, it's probably a lot scarier in your mind than it is in, in all actuality. Yeah, exactly. And I think the last one I want to bring up was uh, number 85, believe that you deserve good things in life and work. Um, very yes. important. You know, a lot of well, times listen. when we've gone mm-hmm. through those difficult <laughs> times in our lives, we tell ourselves, yeah. I don't deserve anything good. And you do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's a challenge, and, and um, you know, especially if you know, for people who have lost people, you know, mm-hmm. suddenly over the, this last year and a half, you know, um, that idea of being a survivor um, mm-hmm. sometimes makes it really challenging to to, to recognize that you know, that even good things can happen or will happen, you know, in the future. So. Yeah. Well, this has really been a, a, a treat, Vicki. I really enjoy speaking with you. So are there any, maybe any um, final words or any maybe um, points that you might want to leave uh, with listeners uh, before we close that I didn't cover? Well, I would just like to, first of all, thank you so much, Robert, for your time and for all the work that you're doing. And, you know, I often say to my readers, you know, please know that you are good enough to do all that you genuinely want to do. Um, think about all that you've experienced so far in life. Uh, it's been a lot. So you don't have to spend any time convincing anybody else that you're good enough, but you do have to convince yourself. And I hope that you'll do that, and I hope that you will have a wonderful, joyous life. You deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Vicki. What a wonderful closing method. And, and I really appreciate your time and, and talking about it today. Thank you so much, Robert. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Vicki Zaydnor, um, and uh, we've been talking about her book, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life's Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is VickiZnavor.com, and that's V-I-C-K-I-Z-N-A-V-O-R.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light.
by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.